The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and backroads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always happy to have you with us. Eric Ryder is producing and at the board, and together we are going to, along with our good friend and a great friend of the show, Marie D. Jones, discuss the sport of kings in all of its wonderful permutations. The sport of kings, once the proverbial phrase for hunting, now typically it is used to exalt the world of thoroughbred horse racing, although the earliest uses of the expression related to war, believe it or not, as in the days of King Arthur. Nowadays, people celebrate the Kentucky Derby as the ultimate event and the sport. For the past two decades, Marie D. Jones has been researching and writing her way to literary stardom through nonfiction and fiction genres alike. Marie is also a screenwriter and producer. What a busy lady. With a science fiction feature film titled Aurora in development with Bright Frontier Films. That's coming along nicely. As well as numerous other projects in various stages of development. She is the author of more than 20 books, including Celebrity Ghosts and Notorious Hauntings, a compendium of places to to visit if you dare that are accessible by road right now the road to fun to thoroughbred racing glory the sport of kings as told by marie d jones marie we're so happy to have you back with us oh thank you it's good to be back yeah and it, it'll be interesting to not talk about the usual <laughs> when we get together but <laughs> that's right you write so much about things that go bump in the night but we're going to talk about hooves that go slamming thundering down on the turf today there you go what an apt description <laughs> congratulations are in order marie because your horse won the kentucky derby and when i say your horse won i don't mean that you stepped up to the five dollar betting window <laughs> No. So I, I I think I need a little history here. When I was a little kid, I wanted more than anything to be a jockey. And uh, as I got bigger, you know, I realized, well, I think I'm a little too big. And that dream sort of fell by the wayside. I've always been obsessed with racehorses and horse racing. And so over the years, I'd always wanted to write about it, but it just never got around to it. I was always so busy writing about other things. And so about six or seven years ago, horse racing had a nice, interesting shift where it went from owners of these horses, which can often cost millions of dollars, were, you know, the, the rich and the wealthy and people that were involved in the sport to partnerships and syndicates that allowed the public to invest, to buy into a horse. But they were still really expensive. Um, a few years ago, along came a company that they called My Racehorse that offered micro shares. And I just jumped all over it. I am so involved with them. I absolutely love them. So I bought up micro shares. And we're talking anything from $100 to maybe $300, $400 a share on a lot of up and coming young horses. But uh, so I did, I bought into several of them and I got to see some victories and a lot of defeats. But um, a, not too long ago, the company bought into a horse named Authentic, who was trained by one of the greatest trainers that ever lived, Bob Baffert. 
And it was a very special buy-in where we had the opportunity to very quickly invest because it wasn't going to last long. So I grabbed some shares. I was just so excited. Then we found out that he was going to the Kentucky Derby, and he won. <laughs> Imagine and that. that. He, that he won. A, he won. So now I do have to say that he ran the Preakness um, last week, uh, Saturday, and came in second by a nose. Oh, my gosh. However, he came in second to the first Philly to have won the Preakness in, uh, I think, decades. And she came. She set the second best track record after Secretariat, which means Authentic was right there. So he is now going. He was not able to run in the Belmont Stakes, which is the third part of the Triple Crown, because that happened way early this year, thanks to the, the virus situation. But he is now going on to the big one, which is the Breeders' Cup. And that will be the weekend after the election. So, but it was, I could not even tell you how exciting it was. Um, nobody was allowed to go, unfortunately, without, had the virus not occurred, the the owners, we could have all gone and watched him run. And, but it was just incredible. So we've gotten, you know, signed pictures and I got a bunch of Kentucky Derby chopskis and stuff. This is my number one passion, and a lot of people don't know it because I don't really get the opportunity to talk about it. So, yeah, that was exciting. I just think it's wonderful for you. It's such such a great sport, even though I'm one of those people, and I think a lot of a lot of folks appreciate it to a certain degree. We're not invested either emotionally nor financially, of course. Right. Nevertheless, the same as with the World Series or the Super Bowl. There are people that will not spend a lot of time watching a given sport, but the biggest event draws their attention many exactly. times. Yeah. I don't go to the track. I haven't in decades. But yeah. When the Kentucky Derby is on, and then I'll make room for the Preakness. I was born in Baltimore. I have a heart. I'll watch the Preakness, and then the Belmont Stakes come along when it is possible, especially for um, for there to be a Triple Crown winner. It's not always arranged so that a given horse will even compete for the Triple Crown, and that's right. been controversial it's because you hard. have some spoiler horses. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is, is that. Uh, the Kentucky Derby has been called by sportscasters the greatest two minutes in sports. And one of the, you know, as, when I was a kid, what I loved was the athleticism of these horses, but also the fact that jockeys are the most highly trained athletic people <laughs> on the planet. And, and I mean, it's brutal um, to be a jockey. And I still would love to. But now they have these things called GoPro cams. And they often will show what it's like to be on a horse during a race. And it's like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I would have fallen off so many times. <laughs> but it's just it's fabulous. And it's a growing it's one of the fastest growing sports. Um, people really appreciate, you know, these beautiful horses. I know there there's been a lot of stories in the news about deaths at certain racetracks. And, and mm. that's absolutely tragic. But I will say, knowing so much about the sport and the owners and the breeders and the trainers, these horses are treated better than most people treat their family members. <laughs> I mean, they're they're treated wonderfully. Well, sure, um, it's a big, big investment, as you were indicating. Well, you know, it's funny because the filly that beat my horse, Authentic, 
in the Preakness and is now looking at possible possibly being horse of the year was purchased for I think thirty thousand dollars. And that's incredible. Other, yeah, that's cheap. <laughs> there's other horses that you know they'll go for six seven million so just it's it, you never know and i think that's part of the draw of the sport is wondering who's going to be the next person to find the next secretariat you know the next um american pharaoh who was had won the triple crown in 2015 after i think 37 years and then we had another winner a few years later with Justify. So I think that's part of the draw is do you have what it takes? Do you have that sort of intuitive, instinctive ability to pick the next super horse? These are athletes with four legs, basically. Knowing what to look for, I was reading up a little bit about uh, Authentic, and I discovered that Authentic won on a fast track, and the year before the winner ran and won on a sloppy track. Fast is better than sloppy, and yet the time between the two winning times was less than four seconds. That's how yeah. competitive it is. It is, and you never know, because there have been a lot of great upsets. My idol since childhood is the greatest horse that ever lived, Man of War. And, I mean, I didn't see him race, because he raced in during, like, 1918 to 1920 era, but... Um, the, to me, he is the epitome of a great racehorse, and he only uh, lost one race, and he stumbled coming out of the gate, had some trouble, and the name of the horse that beat him was Upset. So <laughs> you know, there you go. You just never know. But you know, for people that are interested in racing, it's really not just going to a racetrack because now all across the country, we have racetracks that are becoming. Um, locations of concerts, of casinos. There, uh, Belmont Park in New York, where Belmont Stakes takes place. They're they're in the process of building a hockey arena, and it's supposed to be phenomenal. I think it's going to open in time for next year's season. Um, you know, there's horse shows, there's museums, there's all kinds of other stuff. So there are a lot of racetracks across the country where it's, that's just it's just a track, but a lot of the bigger ones, you could spend a day, two days, and not see everything there is to see, and maybe get to to see a race and you know pick out a, a up and coming great racehorse too. Um, so if you live in the in the Northeast, New York has the National Museum of Racing and Hall of Fame, and this is like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for racehorses, but also trainers, jockeys, and every year they nominate. Uh, a male horse, female horse, a jockey, and a trainer to be added into the Hall of Fame. And the museum is open to anyone. It's located right next to Saratoga Springs Racetrack, which is one of the oldest racetracks in the country. And you can see all kinds of art and artifacts and jockey silks and pictures and memorabilia that literally document the history of horse racing. So that's a really wonderful place to go. And if you want to go to a race, you could just step right over to Saratoga Racetrack. And they actually are considered, and this I did not know, the oldest major sporting venue of any kind in the United States. A racetrack. <laughs> I didn't know that. So, yeah, I didn't know that either until I was looking up some little, you know, factoids and uh 
They opened in 1863. They're not the oldest track. There were quite a few that opened earlier in the 1800s, but they're one of the biggest, one of the best. And um, the Saratoga Race Course has the, uh, again, my man of war, his, his loss to upset occurred at Saratoga. So I think it's cursed. I will never go there. I'm just kidding. But some of the greatest horses have raced there and started their careers there. And what's really cool about Saratoga is that it's been featured in a lot of pop culture. And so if you've seen the James Bond movie, Diamonds Are Forever, there's a scene early on at a racetrack and they're at Saratoga. Carly Simon's 1972 hit, You're So Vain. He says, I hear you went up to Saratoga and your horse naturally won. And there's other uh, guys and dolls or some references to Saratoga. So it's just one of those really famous historical places to go. I think there's a reference to Saratoga in a scene from the remake of Ocean's Eleven. <gasps> now, I did not see that movie. But, yeah, if it's about gambling and money and that kind of stuff. I would That's right. So also in New York, you have Belmont Park which is the site of, um, you know, Belmont Racetrack, where the third leg of the Triple Crown and the longest is run. But the park itself has all kinds of stuff. They've got, they'll put on concerts and festivals, and I think there's a small museum there. Um, It's just like a big facility where people can really go get exposed to horse shows and things like that. So that's also in New York. New York is a hotbed for racing. Um, I know when I was young, we lived in New York and Yonkers Raceway was where all the harness racing occurred, which is a whole different ball game, but equally fascinating. So Belmont Stakes, that was, uh, you know, that's always, it's called the graveyard of the Triple Crown races because a lot of horses will win the first two. But the Belmont Stakes is longer. And it's a hard race. And a lot of times you think a horse is going to do it, grab the Triple Crown, and they don't win the Belmont Stakes. So the last horse to win the Triple Crown justified, then that was uh, the 13th Triple Crown champion. And then a few years before that, American Pharaoh. They managed to do all three. Now, American Pharaoh got the Grand Slam of racing. And this is new. Now we have the Triple Crown. But if you go on to win the Breeders' Cup Classic, it's considered a Grand Slam. And American Pharaoh is the only horse to ever have done that, at least for now. That amazes me because a horse would have to be trained so impeccably to handle the different tracks, but also the the Belmont Stakes in particular. If I have it right, there are horses that are actually spoiler horses that are trained specific to the Belmont Stakes with the idea that if there's a triple crown uh, winner in the making, that ruins it for that particular horse. And it's the glory of the horse that is trained to run essentially one magnificent race in a season. Well, yeah, there are horses that will only run the Belmont. They won't, they won't attempt to do all three for that very reason. So all the strategy. <laughs> so we're going to jump down to Baltimore. Yay. Pimlico Race Course, this is where the second leg of the Triple Crown takes place. Baltimore, Maryland. Um, again, originally, you just would have a, a racetrack, but now there are all kinds of events that occur there, especially during 
the running of the Preakness. There are things that go on in concerts and, um, you know, just so that it's more of an event for people, not just, oh, come to the race and go home. It actually becomes a day-long event, and it's always family-friendly, which is really cool. So the Preakness, the Run for the Black-Eyed Susans, that's the one my baby authentic just lost by a nose. And I did shed a little tear, but women power, at least we lost to a filthy. Right. <laughs> so we're going to jump real quickly down to Florida. Okay. Florida has three fantastic racing facilities, Gulfstream, uh, Gulfstream Park, Gulfstream Park West and Tampa Bay Downs. And again, they, you know, they... Each track will operate different times of the year, depending on weather and that kind of thing. So people can just check what's going on in their area. But like Gulfstream Park, it's not just a track. Right next to it is Gulfstream Park Village, where you have restaurants, bars, a casino, a nightclub, all kinds of shops. So again, it becomes more than just, oh, let's go to the track for a few hours. It, it can be a day-long event. And this is the kind of thing that appeals to road trippers, because if you have the time, if you have the means, you can actually make a full or partial tour of all these wonderful venues, these shrines of thoroughbred horse racing. And you have a lot more going on in what sounds to me, Marie, to be something of a festival atmosphere. It is. It has totally become... I think because horse racing, the industry realized that it needed to expand upon just the races. And they wanted to bring in more families. They wanted to bring in, you know, you've got at, at the Kentucky Derby and here at Del Mar, you've got the hat contests. The fashion at horse races has become huge. I mean, who would think that fashion would be a big part of it? People show off how fancy they're dressed. So it really has expanded to become something more than just, oh, you know, what horse are you going to bet on in the fifth? Uh, but we have to go to Kentucky now because... Honestly, you could go to Kentucky for a week and not see everything involved with horse racing. I think that is the heart of horse racing in the United States. Louisville, Kentucky is the home of the Kentucky Derby. The greatest two minutes in sports, folks, the run for the roses. <clears throat> there is a museum and horse park that people can visit where they can get the whole experience of horse racing. Um, now, the Kentucky Derby is run at Churchill Downs, which is my favorite racetrack. And I know I live near Del Mar. Uh, but you see, it's got the two twin spires. And I think it's become iconic. People see that those two twin spires and they know exactly what they're looking at, the site of the Kentucky Derby. <clears throat> so there's uh, another great race that's run there is the Kentucky Oaks, and that's for the girls. However, girls can run in the Derby, too, but it's, you know, they have their own race. But also, if you live in or near Kentucky, there are a lot of horse farms and thoroughbred breeding facilities that offer tours. Because that's really where, you know, the bluegrass state is where a lot of thoroughbreds are born and bred and trained. And you can literally go tour the facility and see what, what goes on in the day of, in the life of a racehorse. So that's really fun. 
Um, there's that would be very educational. Mm -hmm. And for people who know something about horses and racing, that would be an amazing tour to go on. You're seeing how all of that glory gets built, gets built into the sport and all the hard work, <laughs> the blood, sweat and tears that goes into raising a thoroughbred exactly. champion. Yeah, and they have a Kentucky Derby Museum and they change, they have like a feature, uh, like a lot of museums do, where they'll feature a specific type of exhibit. So, for example, right now it's called the Right to Ride exhibit, where they uh, feature female jockeys who blaze trails and change some of the racing laws. So, you know, if, depending on when you're going, you find out what the what the featured exhibit is. But it's just, again, it, uh, Man of War's Grave is also there something i would like to visit before i before i go to my own grave but there's the great pasture in the there. sky there you go there's a <laughs> lot of stud farms um some of the most famous places where the most famous horses were bred and kentucky is also home to keeneland which is another track and where they have a lot of the horse sales that result in somebody paying thirty thousand dollars for the next champion. So that's kind of fun too to, to get involved and see. But I know we don't have a lot of time, so I have got to jump way over to Southern California. Now I live, Santa Anita Racetrack is north of me, and that is a beautiful track in uh, Los Angeles area. But I live near what is probably the most beautiful racetrack, and that is Del Mar. Um, Del Mar track has so much history. It's part of a large fairgrounds. Uh, a lot of movie stars have been to Del Mar, visited Del Mar, gone and gambled, and lots of pictures all over the internet that you can find of the just amazing history. And Bing Crosby was one of the founding members. So he attracted a lot of the entertainment community into horse racing. Um, so it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful place it was a couple of years ago the site of the breeders cup which rotates to different large racetracks um, but i had to look you know me i had to look and see if there was any such thing as a haunted racetrack here we go so upset to find only one story but but then i had to laugh because it was at del mar i found a story about a, a gentleman named Giovanni who visited the track and was trying to go to the bathroom. And, I, you know, if you've been there, you know that the first two levels of the bathrooms, the lines are two miles long. And he went up to another level where there was nobody there. And he distinctly heard a voice, a man's voice, tell him, don't go. Don't go. And he turned around and saw a shadow, like a shadow person. And the shadow person disappeared. Well, he went into the bathroom anyway. <laughs> but, you know, nothing happened. He said when he got home, he was just minding his own business in his home. And that same shadow figure appeared in his bedroom. Nothing really happened, nothing negative. But that was the only haunted story now, I know there have to be more because there were so many celebrities there. I wonder if there's haunted racetracks that have ghost horses running on the track at night when no one's around. So I need to do a little more snooping on that. But I thought it was really appropriate that the one story I did find was at my own racetrack here in Southern California. Uh, 
I think of some of the great jockeys, Willie Shoemaker, Lafitte Pinkai. I don't know if they're earthbound or not. I hope they're happy where, whatever they're doing now. But you would think that maybe jockeys and certainly trainers might be habitues of the place where they won their share of glory. It's a, it's a nice romantic thought anyway. I would love for you to do some more research, and we'll talk about that aspect Absolutely. of it again. Yeah, I mean, the thought of, uh, of racehorses running at night, ghost horses, ghost races is really cool. So I need to dig into that. <laughs> I think that's worthy of a book in itself. It could be. It could be my opportunity to finally write about horse racing. <laughs> Well, Maria, I'm so happy that we took some time to talk today, and it's it's fascinating what you say about horse racing, and even more so for fans of all your writing, your voluminous work, that you would have time and energy for this interest, this passion as well. That's something new we learned about you today. Oh, I love it. Yeah. And my father was, uh, he shared, or I shared his love of great racehorses, and I think he's the one who really got me going. When I was really little, I could name all of the great racehorses of the past, even before I could do my basic math. So I blame him. (laughs) (laughs) We'll credit him instead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That sounds great. Marie D. Jones, thanks so much for coming on the show again. You never fail to fascinate, and we look forward to your next visit on Trip Talk. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk. Along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road. Until next week, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Mm-hmm.